Guys, I'm in Luke um, chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 13. And very interesting passage of Scripture. We're going to read all the way down through uh, verse 21. And the Word of God says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced good crop. He thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Three things I'm going to share with you this morning out of that passage. That's heavy, isn't it? It's a heavy passage of Scripture. Three things I want to share with you this morning, and I think they very much speak to uh, the life we find ourselves in and, and what we define as success uh, what we're striving for, how we spend our time and energy and effort here on this uh, planet called Earth. And so I, I think this is one of those sermons that is very applicable for all of us. And here, here's the first thing that I want you to see according to our text is, guys, uh, according to Jesus, who you are and how you spend your life is infinitely more important than what you possess. Okay? Who you are... And how you spend your life is infinitely more important than what you possess. Jesus is saying, listen, um, you're, you're living for the, the, the wrong thing. You're, you're living for the what, and you need to be living for the who and, and the how. So Jesus has been talking to his disciples, right? We've studied that the last two weeks. Specifically, he was speaking directly to his disciples. But don't forget, according to verse 1, his disciples aren't the only ones that are there. In fact, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of thousands upon thousands. It said so many people are there, they're trampling over one another. And then, and then even though they're trampling over one another, Jesus first speaks directly to his disciples. He warns them against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Uh, then he talks to them about the unforgivable sin, uh, which we studied last week. And, and then, as he's speaking to his disciples, uh, a, a man appears, one of the members of, of the mob, if you will, and he interrupts uh, his, his discourse with the disciples, and he asks Jesus to tell his brother to split his inheritance with him. And, and this man's intrusion in, into you know, Jesus' teaching with his disciples ends up being a great teaching 
point for, for Jesus. And the very first thing that Jesus says upon this man's interruption is this. He says, watch out. Like, like man, hold it right there. Just, just watch out. Then he adds to the word watch out. It's hard to see in English, but he adds extra emphasis there by using uh, another derivative. Then he says, not just watch out, but be on your guard. Watch out means take heed, beware. And then he says, be on your guard. The, the, The very next phrase, protect yourself from. It says all kinds of greed. The word is is covetedness. In the Greek, it literally means a greedy desire to have more. He says, you need to watch out. You need to guard yourself from a desire to constantly have more than what you possess. You better be careful, buddy. You better be careful. And then Jesus says this amazing, timeless truth. Like, if you're one of those people that doesn't typically highlight your Bible, this would be one worth highlighting. It'd be one worth underlining, right? He, he says this at the tail end of, of verse 15. He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is saying, man, be careful. Don't fall into the trap of wanting what someone else has or wanting more than you have. Don't fall into that trap because life is is about much more than stuff. So I want to ask you some questions. Now, what what did the man want? The man that came to Jesus, what did he want? You can speak out. This is interaction. He wanted inheritance. He wanted his inheritance. And what did he want Jesus to do? He wanted Jesus to to do what? He wanted Jesus to force his brother to give him the inheritance. Okay, so the guy wanted stuff, right? He really wanted stuff. He wanted inheritance, whether whether it was possessions, whether it was money. He wanted inheritance is what he wanted. And so he comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, this is kind of, it kind of reminds me of, of Martha coming before Jesus and going, I want you to make my sister join me. And he's like, hey, Martha, she's doing the right thing. Okay, chill out. And so this guy comes before Jesus and he's demanding, Jesus, I want you to force my brother to give me half of that inheritance. I want you to force me to do it, okay? So, so let me, let, let's, let's walk through this logically. What do you think would have happened to those brothers' relationship if Jesus had forced that? Forever broken. Forever broken, you're right. You're right. So, so I, I, I want you to see it. It is subtle, yet it is, it is serious. Friends, sometimes we have to choose what we want more. I mean it. Sometimes we are going to find ourselves in positions in life where we have to choose what is most important. Do we want justice in this case? This man thought it was just that he should have part of Do we want to pursue that justice at any cost for the sake of stuff? Or do we want to be just people. Part of what Jesus is saying to this man is your brother is infinitely more important than stuff. Right? That people matter more than things. But my friends, I fear that we don't live that way very often. Your brother is more important than stuff because people 
are of much more value than things. Life is bigger than that, and it's not about what you own. It's about who you are. It's about how you love. It's about how you serve. That is what matters. That's, that's ultimately, Jesus is saying, ultimately that is what lasts. You know, uh, see, some of us, uh, I, I, I think about, and, and there are times, you know, you guys, I know the Bible says don't worry. I'm aware of that, but I'm also aware of, of my position in life. I'm aware of my uh, wife and the fact that I have four kids. I'm aware of the fact that I travel to places that aren't always safe. I worry about whether or not I've got enough insurance, what I'll leave behind. And the truth is, in man's eyes, that somebody would say, if I left this earth tomorrow, that I probably wouldn't leave my family with much. Right? My, my kids are never going to have a trust fund. They're never going to have a lot of possessions. I'm, I'm never going to have a lot of land that I can, I can hand off to them. But, but one, one thing when I am gone that my kids will ultimately know is they will know um, the great value that they were to me in my life because I tell them every single day how much they mean to me. Every single day I tell them how much I love them and that I wouldn't change a thing about them. Like when I'm gone off the face of this planet, what my kids will have, they may not have stuff, but they're going to they're gonna know um, how much uh, they matter to me. And they're going to know that in this life, well, maybe I didn't have much silver or gold, that I, I, I truly believe that they were the silver and gold along with their uh, mom that Jesus had entrusted to me here on earth. And, 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 and when it's all said and done, uh, the inheritance that they will receive, I pray, is one where they understand that marriage is important and it takes work, but that it can last the test of time. The inheritance I pray that they will receive is that parenting takes every bit as much work as marriage. And that they will see the importance of having a father that is present and that is active. And that they will pass that down. The inheritance that I pray that they will receive is the fact that they will see that a husband is called not just to love his wife, but to serve her. And that that is part of his greatest gain in life, is, is to make himself a servant unto his wife. And I, and I pray that those are things that uh, impact generations of people with the last name of Huddleston. Don't miss the heart of God in this passage. See, God knows us, Right? You know why we like Vegas? Can I be honest? It's not, just, it's not just like the gambling. It's all the bright lights. It's all the sparkle and glitz. God knows us. He knows we are attracted. We're, we're, we're like bugs attracted to the light. Oh, bleh. I mean, that's the way we work. God knows that we're attracted to things that glitter and shine. And God's heart, you can't miss it. He says, listen, life is about much more than just the stuff that glitters or shines. There's so much more matters so much more. He has something far better in mind for us. He wants us to leave behind an inheritance for others that will last. So I say this to you this morning, in love, that who you are and how you spend your life is infinitely more important than what you possess. Just don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't let the world suck you in. Don't, don't get caught up. Don't get worried. Don't, don't fear. Uh, you are living for something greater than just tomorrow. Amen. Two. Uh, it's a huge theme here of contentment. Huge theme. And so what I would, I would say to you, uh, I think our second principle this morning is this, that if you're not content with what you have now, you will never be content. Okay? If you are not content with what you have now, you will never be content. I'm in, I'm in verse 16. 
16 down through 19. It says, And he told them this parable. The, the, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, which by the way are full. That's what's implied by the text. So his barns are already full. There is no room to store the new crop. So he's going to tear down the barns that are full, build bigger barns so that he can store it all. Uh, he says, I, I, I'm going to store all my grain, all my goods, and I'll say to myself, uh, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So Jesus' response to this man that cared more about stuff than his relationship with his brother. Remember, that's what sparks this conversation. Jesus' response to this man that comes to him and says, I want stuff. I'm not so worried about my relationship with my brother. I want stuff. Uh, Jesus' response to that is, is to teach and to tell a story. He did this often. It's called a parable. It's a story with a point. And so he tells this story of a, a rich man. And here's why this text is important. It is only found here in the Gospel of Luke. This is the only place this story occurs. See, why are we studying the Gospel of Luke? The Gospel of Luke has a lot of original information. This is one of those original stories that only appears here in Luke. And what I want you to see clearly is, is the extent of this thing called, called greed, right? Jesus says, um, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed or covetedness. Um, I, I want you to see what the heart of, of this greed or covetedness is, it really is all about. And, and it's selfishness, by the way, okay? It's a desire to have as much for yourself as humanly possible and then some. And and, and remember, it's something that's unending. And so I want you to do this. Scan through verse 16 and 19. Here's what you're looking for. Don't start yet. I want you to count every time you see uh, an I or or an I will or something like that. Anytime there's an I or anytime there is a my or a myself. Just scan through real quick. Do a real quick count. I'm going to give you like 60 seconds tops. You better be a speed reader. When you get it, look up here. Got your number, okay? Hold, hold, hold your number up for me. Let's see how many you got. Okay, I see eight, I see seven, I see six. Okay, ready? Ten. Ten times. Four verses, ten times the guy says I or I'll or my or myself, some version of I or mine. Ten times. See, at the heart of greed, the greed that Jesus is warning this man about, this man that wants stuff over his relationship with his brother, he says, listen, the heart of this thing that I'm warning you about, this thing called greed, that not only have I warned you, but I have doubly warned you. I said, be careful, be on your guard, be alert, like I've given you this, this, this double warning about this thing called greed or covetedness, this, this, this thing, remember, that, that means it's a constant desire to have more. At the heart of it is selfishness. You have a desire to constantly possess more for yourself. And Jesus is saying it is an unending desire. It doesn't stop. And that's why you have to be on guard. So I want you to notice the condition of the man uh, starting in verse 16. It says uh, a rich man. So this guy's rich. I mean, I, mean, I mean, he is rich. In fact, he already has barns and those barns are full. 
Okay, so he is a rich man with full barns, and then it says he has a really good harvest. He has a good harvest. He is a rich man with full barns that has a good harvest, and he has no place to store all of this, this great harvest. So this is his problem. His problem is a problem of abundance. Anybody else there today? No, not so much? Okay, I didn't, I didn't think. Like, I, I, I don't find myself in that condition often. That I, Just, Lord, I just have so much, I don't know what to do with it, right? You know, because typically the check goes in the bank, and I'm like, all right, Lord, thank you. You have covered everything that needed to be covered. Yes, right? This guy, he's, he's like, he, he's got so much, he doesn't know what to do with it. And, and so, so here's the question. So what does he do? What does he do? I've got this great harvest, but I have all that I need. My, my barns are completely full. I, I'm already complete, like I'm, I'm, I'm stinking rich. What, what do I do? And so is, is the answer, does he go ahead and give it away to people in need? There are always people in need in this region. Does he, does he give it away to those that don't have anything to eat? Did, I, I wonder, does he bring it to the church? Say, hey, hey, listen, I know that people are all constantly coming to you in need, and, and, and here, you redistribute this well. Absolutely not. He doesn't do either of those things. He decides, you know what I'll do. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot more. I'm going to tear down what I have. I'm going to build even bigger things, and, and then I can have it all. I can have it all, right? Why does he do that? Because more is never enough. Friends, I'm going to say this flies in the face of American culture. Ready? <laughs> More is never enough. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is telling a very similar story. He says, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. He says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, what's implied in the text, if we can read it in its original language, is that the pagans run after all these things and they never stop running. They never, they spend their whole life trying to accumulate what? More. More. They waste their life in the pursuit of, of more. And so Jesus speaks these words to, to this man and to this crowd, words that could just as easily have been spoken to us to, today. More is never enough. It's very similar to the lesson that Paul had to learn. So I, I'm going to read from Philippians 4. It's going to be on the screen. And here's what I want to do. Ready? I want to take one of your favorite verses in the history of Christendom, and I, I want to totally mess it up for the rest of your life, okay? All right? So it can no longer be the warm, fuzzy thing that we put on the back of our letter jackets way back in the day, or, you know, that we stamp across or we put on our front door. It, it really can't mean what it has meant for you before, because we're going to really mean what it, what it really means. We're going we're to figure that out today. And so Philippians chapter 4, starting verse 11, I'll read through 13. Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Now he's writing Philippi, and, 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 he, and he's talking about his current circumstances. Now, this church has supported him more than any other church ever, and, uh, and, and so he, he, he's so gracious, he's, he, he's happy um, for all their support. But, but he says, I'm not writing um, because I'm in need. He says, in fact, I, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Paul's experienced both highs and lows. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen. Now see, the end of that, we love that. 
We put that on everything. I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. But the context of that verse is this. Paul could do anything with Jesus because he had been through everything with Jesus. See, I can do anything with Jesus because I have been through everything with Jesus. I know what it is to be in one. I know what it is to have my plate full. I know what it is for the barns to be full and for them to be empty. I've, I've experienced the shipwreck and, and I've been well fed. I've, I've been in prison and I've been preaching to thousands. Like, like I know what it is on both ends of the spectrum. And because I've, I've been there in the highs, I've been there in the lows, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength because I have been through everything with Him. He will never leave me or forsake me. That's the heart of the verse, right? No matter what life threw his way, he was content. And so I say to you again, if you're not content with what you have now, you're never going to be content. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed that never end, against that constant pursuit of more. Be on your guard. Is today enough for you? If it's all said and done today, is it enough for you? Right? If tomorrow, like Job, it's all gone, is it enough for you? Is is God enough for you in the time that he gave you with the loved ones you have? Was that enough for you? If the day after that, he adds it all back tenfold, is that day enough for you? Right? See, if I'm not content where I am today, I'm never going to be content because I'm going to fall into this pattern of always living for something just a little bit better. And then God's going to bless me. He's going to open a door. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to walk into it. And then you know what happens there? I want something just a little bit better. I'm never going to stop. Watch out. Be on your guard. The third thing I want to share with you, and I'll be done. According to this text, the only inheritance. Remember, this is about inheritance, okay? Have you ever struggled with that when you read your Bible? Jesus introduces, like, I mean, this all came because a guy asked for inheritance. We get down to the end, and we forget he's talking about inheritance, right? Still talking about inheritance. That's why we study in context, right? The only inheritance that will last is God's reward for faithful service. The only inheritance that will last is God's reward for faithful service. I'm looking at verse 20 and 21. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Remember this this parable, it's directed at somebody. It's directed at the guy that wants the stuff, right? You fool, this very night your life is going to be demanded from you. Uh, Then who is going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now, does that say that you can't store up anything for yourself? No. It says the only thing that counts in the end is what you store up with God. The only inheritance, friends that you can take with you, 
The only thing that travels from this world, from this life, unto the next is your service unto God. That's it, right? Right? I, I heard it said one time, it, it, it's the people, right? The, the people are the only ones that you get to take with you. Well, yeah, some of that, but there's also reward. There's reward for faithful service. And so I, I, I want to I walk you through some very fundamental truths that we don't like in America. Ready? Here we go. Woo! Yeah! Popular sermon right here. Here we go. Fundamental theological truths. Ready? We own nothing. We own nothing. We think that we do. We've got some payments on some stuff. We own nothing, okay? Everything that we possess has been loaned to us by God. We own nothing. Psalm 24.1 says it this way. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. Everything. So everything that we have is actually His. Okay? Everything that we have is actually His. Everything is, is God's. Now follow me. And, and so everything is God's and He loans it to us. He loans it to us, okay, for a reason. He loans it to us so that we can use it, so that we can use it, get this, to to store up treasure in heaven. That's that's a crazy thought, okay? Remember the parable of the talents, and and, and the master is going to go away, and so he gives um, one servant, he gives him five talents, and says, here's five talents, and he looks at another servant, he says, okay, I'm going to give you two talents, and he gives to to another servant, he gives him one talent, right? And, And so the guy that he gives five, he doubles it, and he comes back, and the master comes back, and there's ten. He says, there's ten talents. Uh, Lord, look, look at how I've served you. And then the one with two, he doubles it. And he, there's four. And then there's a the guy that received one. And he's like, I, 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 I hid it under the ground. I was afraid of what you'd do if I lost it. And the master takes the talent away from the guy with the one. And he gives it to the guy with the ten. Why, at you, we have to ask these questions. Why would he do that? Because the master had an expectation that what he had loaned to the servant would be put to use. And and what he had loaned to the servant would be put to use twofold. One, to glorify the master. And two, so that the servant might receive blessing and gain. I'm not talking about wealth on earth, friends. I'm talking about treasures and heaven. The talents that are given are, are, are given from the master to the servant. That the servant might use them to bring glory to the master and, and have personal gain. Spiritual wealth in heaven, rewards, are a real thing. Now, I want you to grasp the beauty of this, because I, I believe this is just all grace. I believe this is all grace, right? What do we own? What do we own? Nothing. So what do we have to work with in order to store up treasures in heaven then? Nothing. So what does God do? God gives us talents. God gives unto us. He loans unto us his stuff. Why? So that we can use it to bring him glory, to further his kingdom, and gain benefit in heaven. How gracious is this God? Do you ever stop to ask yourself that? I mean, we look to the cross and say, grace, yeah. But think about what God has loaned to you 
He's given you what you didn't possess so that you could glorify him and store up treasures in heaven. All from God. All grace. All from God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think it's astounding. So, I'm going to give you some things to do because of this text. I think there's some good stuff here. Uh, first and foremost, I want to challenge you to focus on what really matters. Focus. This, this whole call, I mean, Jesus is like looking at this guy going, Hey, man, listen, you're worried about stuff, and you need to be worried about your brother and your relationship there, okay? So focus on what really matters. Focus on what lasts, right? And, and so underneath that point, I want you to, to write four words with two lines, okay? First, I want you to write people and put a line under it, okay? People, put a line under it, and underneath the line, write stuff, okay? So th- if you're ever wondering, am I investing in what really matters, here's, here's just a quick check. Uh, do you value people over things? You're, you're, you're heading in the right direction, okay? People more important than stuff. So that, that's one way to check very quickly. Let me give you another one, ready? Service, right? Service down, put a line under it. And underneath that line, I want you to write self. Service over self. And Lord, am I living rightly, God? Am I living for what matters? Am I living for what counts? Am I living for what lasts? And you look at your life and go, okay, I value people more than things. Good check. And, and I care more about serving you, God, than I do about anything I personally have. Good. Good. Okay? Then you're focusing on what really matters. Just a little check for you. Okay? Two. I want to challenge you this week, especially based on our text, to turn around and count your blessings. Now, some people don't like this because I just told you to turn around and you feel like that has to do with repentance. Okay? Well, you don't have to like me. But I tell you why I say that, okay? Ready? We have a tendency, we use the phrase all the time, keeping up with the Joneses, right? There's only one way to keep up with the Joneses. You have to be staring at everything that the Joneses have. I'm going to share this little nugget of truth with you. I, I believe the Lord laid on my heart this week. Ready? It is hard to see your blessings when you are staring at someone else's. You might want to write that down. <laughs> That's why I say you need to turn around and count your blessings. Because it is hard to see everything that the Lord has blessed you with when you're constantly staring at someone else's blessings. It really, really is. Okay? Lastly, I'm going to share this with you. I want to challenge you to leave a real legacy for others to follow. A real legacy, right? Because according to Jesus, we can't take any of that monetary stuff with us. Leave a real legacy for others to follow. I do a lot of funerals. That's kind of part of the job. (laughs) Occasionally you do a, a funeral for somebody that was, I mean... You know, my, my, my dad's funeral, everybody loved my dad, but one of the constant themes was how great my father was in business, right? And he, he was, he was very, very good in business. Um, I've been at uh, other funerals with people that were awesome in business, but you know, the funeral wasn't about just their business prowess, it was about how generous they were. See, their legacy wasn't that they were a great businessman, their legacy was that they took the talents that God gave them They multiplied them, and they used them to bless others. My friends, that is why we exist on earth. And when we take the gifts that God has given us, 
And when we use those gifts, remember they're his gifts, when we use them to glorify him and to bless others, we store up for ourselves rewards in heaven. And when we breathe our last breath, people don't stand up and talk about our business prowess. They stand up and talk about our generosity, right? They stand up and talk about our generosity, all right? Uh, I want to pray, if you don't mind. And uh, we've got a little bit of time left. I'm going to pray, and uh, we're just going to ask the Lord to just gently and tenderly, hopefully, speak to our hearts, okay? Father, um, we want to come before you uh, right now. And God, we just want to confess that we do struggle with this sometimes. Lord, this is, this is genuinely hard uh, to focus on what really matters, to put people over things, to put service over self. It is genuinely hard to see our blessings because sometimes we are staring at other people's blessings. And it is genuinely hard to focus on leaving a legacy that really matters instead of focusing on, on what others think about us. Um, Lord, I, I pray uh, today tenderly you would just impress on our hearts that more will never be enough and that we have to find contentment in you. We have to find contentment here, right where we are. Today, would we worship you just with a heart of gratitude, saying, thank you, God. I see, I see all that you've done for me. And I know that it's not by the work of my hands, but it's by the power of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name, I ask these things. Amen.